You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, and we're coming to you from the Clubhouse Studios in beautiful downtown Rhinebeck. Our guest today is a wonderful musician. He is a singer, he's a songwriter, he is a colossal guitar player, and he is also a record producer. We'll get to all of that. But first, let me introduce him, Mr. John Platania. John, hey, well, Rick. welcome to The Rick Z Show. Well, back in my home. Yeah. And it's great being at the Clubhouse after all this time and... We've known each other for quite a long time. A long time. It was great to hear from you, uh, what was it, maybe a week ago, 10 days ago? Yeah. So, it's been a while since yeah. we've spoken, but uh, it's always great to see you, uh, especially being back here in the clubhouse, as you say, because yes. we've both done a lot of work here over the years, you know, a lot of great memories, a lot of fun times. Um, Absolutely. You know, John, one of the things I love about doing this podcast is that I get to learn things about people that I know a little that I, I never knew before. And one question I got for you is just simply, have you always lived in this area? Or are you from this area? I, I don't know where you're originally from. Yeah, maybe. you know, I'm a, this is my neighborhood. I was born in, uh, well, I was actually born in St. Francis. Not, I don't know what it is now. That hospital became something else. But I was born in Poughkeepsie, and, but raised in uh, across the river from that in Ulster County. In Ulster County. Right. In and, Highland. In Highland, right. I remember when you used to live yeah, in Highland. right. And so, you've been in Rhinebeck, though, for quite some time Yeah, now. for a long, long time. Yeah, this is my area. I've li- I lived in L.A. for a bunch of years. I lived in London for a bunch of years. And my family moved around when I was really young. And I uh, actually lived also in Costa Rica, where my mother's from. I didn't know that. I'm half Spanish. My mother's you know, from Costa Rica. My father's uh, born in New York. But, you know, I always come back here, no matter what. You also, so went, you also went to Marist College, didn't you, John? I went to Marist, yeah. You know, you told me something years ago, and this was such a long time ago, I may get it wrong. You, you can set me straight if, if I get it wrong. But you told me that you went to Marist, and you made it almost all the way to graduation and, and, and a couple of weeks from graduation or something like that. Yeah, I bailed. You, you bailed. <laughs> right. Well, why was that? Well, I mean, I was working, I started working with Van. In 69. Van Morrison. Yeah, and I was still going to college, and uh, just came became too much. You know, I'm trying to juggle school, and uh, I wasn't into it anyway anymore. English lit and all that, that was my major. How close did you come to getting your degree? Oh, just a few credits. Does it irk you that you... And, and for a while it did. I always intended to go back, but I never did. You know, I, I just never did. So, I mean... You know that that's that's that story. I mean, you you may think, what's the point now? But I mean, just for closure's sake, you ever, I know, you, I, you ever think of finishing? Yeah, don't bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> cl- closure is the word in the back of my mind. It's, I always had this, you know, feeling that you know, incompleteness, yeah. a lack of closure. But yeah, I mean, for, for that sake alone, I could have, I should have, but uh, uh, you know. Uh, it was for good reasons. Well, there's two things that we have in common then. Uh, one is I went to Marist College as well. And two is I also didn't finish. So. <laughs> okay. I don't feel so alone. Man. I'm not even searching for closure. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, well, yes, in the back of my mind, if you bring it up and you push me, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, there's, the, there's that issue somewhere, but it's not. I'm not going to go to the shrink about it. John, you played with so many people. You've had such an impressive career. There's just so many great artists that you work with. Is it safe to say, is it fair to say that, you know, you're mostly known for the work you've done with Van Morrison? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Van is the guy that got me started. Van's the guy that had faith in me and right from the beginning. And uh, it was it's like almost grace of God put me in a certain place. You know, Van had just moved to Woodstock. In retrospect, he, was, he wasn't there that long. It was maybe two or three years. And I did Moondance, and I did uh, uh, Hard Nose, uh, not Hard Nose Highway, um, a Street Choir, and started something else. And this is all within a, a, a span of a couple years. And he just gave me the shot. How did that happen? How, how did you well, guys meet? my girlfriend at the time, who, who uh, I, I now see every so often, Beth, Nussbaum had my band. I had a trio, power trio, <laughs> and I was gigging around, gigging in Kingston, and you know she would come to gigs, and then she lived in Woodstock, and she she used to tell me, you know, uh, Van Morrison's looking for a guitar player. And I said, oh, that's nice, and I, you know, I said, I'm not, you know, I'm not really that interested. 
So Van's tour manager at the time, Tom Reynolds, British guy, and uh, Beth teamed up and coerced me into auditioning when he was up living up on Ohio Mountain Road, overlooks the Shokan Reservoir in Woodstock. Mm. So he lived there, and, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll do the audition. And they set it up, and it was easy. I mean, I just did a few tunes. I don't even remember what they were. Did you get the gig right away? Yeah, absolutely. And, that, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's just by the grace of God, because it's just, you know, it was like effortless, and I didn't really ask for it, but it changed my life. Yeah, I'll say. So, uh, How many albums uh, did you and Van make together? I don't know. Probably, uh, you know, I've worked with them since 69. Wow. Moondance was started in 70. Um, I'd say eight, nine, ten albums. Yeah, a lot of work. Yeah. I, you know, I'd love to play something. Let's play a little Van Morrison right now, something that I consider this as John Platani material uh, as well as Van Morrison material. It's just the two of you sitting with your acoustic guitars. You know, it's funny. There, there's certain signature songs, I'm sure, in every interview they want to play. Domino has got to be one of them, and Moon Dance and Into the Mystic and all that right. stuff. But I'd like to take a little sidestep here and, and do something a little different, a little bit more intimate sounding. Right. Where you're really... Your guitar playing is, is featured as, as much as probably on any of his stuff. Yeah. This is a tune called I'll Be Your Lover Too. This doesn't appear on any of his albums, does it? It's on the soundtrack of a movie or something. It's on the soundtrack of a movie, but it is on an album. I can't remember which one, to tell you the truth. But oh, it is on one of his albums. Yeah, I don't, I don't know which one. I can't remember. Yeah, so we did it just my Van and myself and Dawood Shaw, the drummer, mm-hmm. just did a real simple kind of simple thing. Really, no bass, no horns, no keys, just Van and myself and some percussion. Let's take a listen.
Uh, it's a beautiful song, John, and it's got that signature John Patania sound. I was watching the movie that it came from, um, Proof of Life. I think Meg, Meg uh, Griffith, Griffin? Uh, uh, Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. I think Russell Crowe. Mm. Yeah, that's right. They had an affair on that movie. Yeah, fact. so I saw the movie and I, I stuck it out to the end. I'm hearing the credits. Listen, you know, I always listen to the music on the credits. I had no idea. I heard the song. I said, "Man, that sounds really familiar. It sounds like me, actually." I mean, I didn't recognize it. I, I knew it was Van, but I thought it might have been something else, you know? Because I do these tunes, and I never, I never listen back, no matter what. But I do so just once played, it's gone, as far as I'm concerned. And it showed up, so I didn't, I didn't remember it, but. That's what, you know, I said, hey, that sounds pretty good, you know. You don't really listen to a lot of your, your no, material, do you? No, Why is that? I don't know. I don't know. It's probably... I always think it could be better, and I, I, I really don't know why. I just don't. Well, I'm glad that the rest of us can, because you're on all kinds of stuff. I'm always discovering stuff that you're on. We were just talking the other night about uh, Good Old Boys, the Randy Newman album. I, I've loved that album since I was in high school. I never knew you were on it. Right. Until the other night, you told me. Chip Taylor is a good example. Oh, Chip, yeah. You know, I know you've done a lot of work Lots with, of with him. I have a couple him. albums of his that he did with Kerry Rodriguez. Looking through the liner notes, up oh, there's John Platania again. I know you've worked extensively with Chip Taylor. Chip did uh, some work in England recently that you were on, right? That's right. We did 10 days in the UK, uh, Scotland, uh, England, and a couple, a couple in Wales. A couple of gigs in Wales and a couple in Scotland. Now for the listeners that don't know, Chip Taylor, world-class songwriter, uh, he did Wild Thing, he wrote Angel of the Morning, among many other great songs. Yeah, he's written Angel of the Morning, he wrote Can't Let Go, which was a Linda Ronstadt hit, mm -hmm. uh, I think Holly's had a hit with it, Try a Little Bit Harder, Janis Joplin had a hit with that, Johnny Cash has cut his stuff, Willie's cut his stuff, tons of people. Frank Sinatra cut a couple wow. of his Wow, Frank Sinatra. So... Chip's a great writer, but he's in his own into his own thing now, and it's uh, he's unlike any writer. I mean, it's just uh, you know it's Americana, and, uh, for lack of a better term. But he's, he's a great lyricist, a fantastic lyricist. His music is very it's quite minimalist. When you it's a tough gig to play because you have to almost disappear, but you got to be there as well. Yeah. So you have to know how to how to how to play that gig it's not easy to speaking of minimalists and great lyricists i believe you also work with john prine i didn't work with john prine you didn't work with john no, prine no uh, chip and but chip and he are very close okay uh, i did a couple we i cut a couple of records but nothing extensive no albums i did two things with with john uh uh in in nashville uh his studio he's got a studio Old Boy Records or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, I don't know what happened with those. They've been released, but uh, uh, so Chip and, and, and John wrote a couple tunes, so I played on those. First time I ever saw you play was at the, in 1990 at the Bardavon Opera House in Poughkeepsie with Don McLean. Wow, yeah. Uh, now, there's a guy you, you've worked extensively yeah. with. I think there's like a pattern uh, to your career, if I, if I can draw this, Good. Draw this line. <laughs> I mean, Don McLean, you, you got Chip, you got uh, Van. Are you a, a songwriter's guitarist to some degree? Well, yeah, I think so. I would say so. One of the things I always said was, you know, my philosophy, you know, was serve the song. And that's what I do. I just, whatever the song is, I try to fit in and uh, let that dictate where I go. You know, I learned that from Van a couple times. When I started gigging with him, you know, intuitively I knew not to, not to, you know, what my job was. But a couple of times I would step on him, and he said, "Don't step on my vocals." Yeah. So <laughs> I learned at that point to just play around the vocals, and that's what I've done. That's what I do. The song dictates what I need to do. 
I mean, you're a great songwriter in your own right, John. Do, do you learn stuff as a songwriter from the people you work for? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Ben's one of the best. Yeah. Chip is one of the best. Mm -hmm. So, absolutely. I learn my songwriting from them. When you play with this wide range of people, do you have to conform to some degree uh, to yeah. a style? Uh, or, or oh, absolutely. I would think a lot of people are looking for that that kind of inimitable John Platania sound. Well, I have a sound. For sure. It took me, people tell, told me that for years. I didn't really understand it. But, but after a while, I, I saw that I do have a, a, a certain, you know, style. It's my own. Oh, it stands out. Yeah, so... I mean, it's just my personality comes through my fingers, I guess. And that's how I play. I mean, I've learned from a lot of other guitarists that I've listened to, but through my filters, it comes out a little bit different. Well, you definitely have a, almost a Latin sound to my ears. Yeah, you know, that's you, true. You yeah. mentioned you're, you're half Spanish. I, I would assume that's the influence. I don't know. But well, it is. When I grew up, my even though my dad wasn't Spanish, uh, but he loved the culture. And the music. So he used to play a lot of that music all the time around the house. So that, you know, through osmosis it rubbed off on me. And I always loved it. Mexican stuff he used to play. Yeah. Stuff like Los Panchos and things like that. And, you know, this album, my solo album, is very influenced with that Tex-Mex stuff. And, and it allowed me the opportunity to play a lot of that, a lot of the influence, my uh, Spanish background and those modes, the Spanish modes, come through a lot on a few of those tunes. A little Aeolian blues. Yeah, Aeolian and yeah, Phrygian, mm -hmm. Phrygian stuff. Where did you learn to play? I mean, you you play like a schooled player. I'm assuming that you are schooled. <clears throat> no, I'm not schooled. Not schooled. I wish I was more schooled. So this is. Just... I did study. I had some really good teachers. Studied a little bit in college, not much. Studied with a great guitar teacher. He was a, a musician. Musicians, a guy named um, Link Chamberlain. Hmm. from Connecticut and I studied a lot of theory with him he was a jazz guy though I'm not a jazz player a lot of what I learned from him rubbed off into everything even blues and anything I do I was constantly picking up the books on, on theory but I'm not formally schooled in addition to playing guitar and writing songs you also produce not only are you self-produced but you produce for other people in fact you're working on a project right here in this studio right um with gary burke right? yes you guys are are producing are you producing together or is it no yeah. well uh, it's sort of gary's steering that shit but my production chops come in there i co-wrote a lot of this stuff because it needed uh the songs needed to be fleshed out and and i and it was a serious co-write with chris Kraft. We've, uh, you know, Gary's uh, put together a little sort of a team. We've done three or four things. Gary and I have worked together a lot, as you have. So Gary put together a team and, and the MO with Chris. This is, I, th I think, our fourth project together. Uh, the MO was Chris and I would get together and I would, Chris would bring in a song idea and his lyrics. He's, he wrote all the lyrics, but I would flesh out the songs, come up with a chorus if it needed. Um, arranged uh, them a bit yeah well I, I, I it was a true co-write mm -hmm. he would come on maybe just with a verse and I would you know write the rest intros ending, endings and choruses and sometimes he, he'd need just an intro or an ending and maybe a bridge and some of them were quite extensive a couple of I wrote all the music for it two tunes Gary did the horn arrangements da Gary did mo monstrous horn, horn arrangements oh. Just great. Gets great. Gary does some great. Does all the Professor Louis horns? It's Gary doing all the horn arrangements. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, talented guy. Yeah, absolutely. Drummer and he can orchestrate, not just horns. Producer as well. Yeah, great producer. Uh, Gary's produced some stuff of mine uh, way back when, and he kind of had this style at the time. I don't know if he still does, but he would throw everything at the wall to see what's stuck. And I think his attitude at the time was. It's better to have things and not need them than to need them and, and not have them. Right. And that had a big influence on me because if you're, you know, if you're a struggling musician, you, you know, you, you can't afford a producer most of the time. You've got to learn to produce your own material. You know, I used to watch him like a hawk and, yeah. and try to learn all that I could, you know. And there, there was a, a, some kind of a fashion designer or something said one time, you, before you leave the house, you look in the mirror and the first thing that catches your eye, get rid of it. And I, I always think of that when I think of Gary. <laughs> your <And>. face. 
face. <laughs> my face. <laughs> Do you have a, a signature or a style as a producer? I mean, I'm sure you've worked yeah. with guys like John Boylan and, and maybe um, Russ Teitelman or Mitchell Froome. Yeah, I worked like with that. Russ. Yeah, Russ, amazing. What did you glean from those guys that ends up in your productions? Well, unlike somebody like... Um, Daniel Lanois puts his stamp on stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm just the opposite. I just let it happen. I pro- you know Guy Davis? I produced six of Guy Davis's CDs. Really? Yeah. And I just let him be. You know, I just I just would steer him. Into, you know, if he was overplaying, over singing, or, you know, I just bust him on certain things. But I, but I wouldn't put my stamp on what he does. So you, you wouldn't hear uh, something you produced and say... Oh, that sounds like a John Platani no, production. No, there's no John Platani production sound. Mm-hmm. I just let the artist put it together, steer the ship, and just help them you know, get from A to B, A to Z, rather. In addition to being a, a session player for a lot of great artists, you've got your own music and, and your own incarnations of bands. The first one I was aware of was a, a three-piece. You, you know, obviously, you were playing guitar and singing your original material, and you had... My good buddy Carl Allwire on bass. Right, Carl. And yeah. the late, great Bruce Gary on drums. Oh, yeah. For those who, who don't necessarily recognize that name, he was the drummer for the late 70s, early 80s band The Knack. Right. Uh, My Sharona was their big hit. and uh, Monster drummer. He was an incredible drummer. Yeah. But, you know, he reminded me of Keith Moon a little bit because it yeah, was... Yeah, there was that. It, it was, was He was bombastic, but it was a, a corralled chaos. Yeah passed way too early you guys were close what are your memories of bruce well we had a band together in la called giants pretentious name Hmm. it wasn't my name we were signed to uh, bert burns same label uh he signed uh kiss's label we were on casablanca kiss was on that as well yeah and and, uh, put a band together with bruce on drums ron elliott from the Bo Brummels, mm. wrote some of this stuff, was a rhythm guitar player. Myself, a, a killer bass player named um, Slick Rucker, uh, was a bass player uh, for The Doors when Morrison died. All original members except Morrison, and he was the bass player. So it was a great, great band. It broke up, and once Bruce went, we had a great lead singer too, but once Bruce left, he was forming a band with, eventually became The Knack. We, we we gigged and we you know I did stu- we did sessions in L.A. you know I was still living in L.A. We would work together. We kept in touch and then when the knack broke up, we were still playing together. I brought him here to do some things and what well, you were talking about that band with uh, uh, Carl. Yeah, you know mostly studio stuff we did. And Bruce, you know, we kept in touch. We went you know we'd go back and forth. I'd go to L.A. whenever I had a chance. We'd do demos and do stuff in studios there, mostly at Larrabee's studios on Sunset. And he, you know, he also continued working with with uh, Bruce, uh, Jack Bruce. He worked with Jack Bruce a lot. He wound up worked with the Ventures, too. I didn't know that. Yeah, he played the Ventures. Uh, I think when that drummer died, Bruce was, played drums. But I lost touch with Bruce. I didn't realize that he had cancer. And I lost touch with him. I tried to get in touch with him, but I think he was just incommunicado. He was you know, for a few years until he died. But he was a monster drummer. He sure was. And uh, Great musician. bombastic is the word, but he's not the kind of drummer that would do a lot of studio stuff because he was just, you know, he couldn't play that scene. He only could be Bruce. Back in those days when he was working in your band, I remember seeing a flyer somewhere and it said high octane rock and roll or something like that. And there was something going on. You you were doing like um, oh, yeah. um a circuit. It was a it was a, a racetrack. Circuit. Yeah, we were doing. Uh, my brother put together a thing called rock and racing, and Bruce was doing that with me. And it was just, it was just a, uh, a gimmick. Mm-hmm. It didn't last long. Who's in your band now? There's no band. So there isn't. Uh, I'm just you know I'm, I'm not interested in doing that anymore. Now you did play recently for Ryan well, yeah, Beck Festival, uh, Porch Fest. Well, yeah, but that band is is I'm with in that band with Gary, and and that's Professor Louis's band. Professor Louis, Louis the, Chromatics. the Chromatics. That's his band. I've known Louis since college days, since I was, was since I went to um, Duchess. That's where I know him from, and I know him as a musician. Louis would call me in and do some sessions in Long Island, and kind of eased into doing. Uh, he'd call me in if he needed a guitar player, if one of his guitar players didn't make it, and eventually, uh, you know, sort of his the main guitar. 
player for that band now with Gary, Frank Campbell, his wife, and that's the band that I've been working with for a few years now. So I'm I'm the guitar player now. I'm happy just to to be doing that, you know. Besides all the other things that I'm doing. Why don't we play a little John Platania music? We've got a CD sitting right here in front of me. I'd like to hear something off of this. You have a song on here you did um, with Lucinda Williams, right? Yeah, it's a song in memory of Zapata. I was working with Chip Taylor. We were doing a lot of um, gigs in Texas. Chip wanted to me to do a, a CD project for his label, Trainwreck. So we co-wrote songs. I wrote some on my own. He wrote, uh, used some of his songs. Uh, I did a couple instrumental versions of, of some beautiful tunes that he of his. Uh, one song that we the, the theme of the thing of the CD is, is a Tex-Mex thing, which I, I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Brought a lot of a lot of my uh, Spanish roots came out on that. My blues roots came out of that. Covers a lot of bases, a lot of areas, uh, some blues, some rock and blues, just straight acoustic kind of uh, slide. Uh, for want of a better description, Rykuder kind of things. Mm-hmm. The song that you're talking about is called Memory of Zapata, which is about, you know, the revolutionary, the Mexican revolutionary Zapata. We brought in Lucinda to sing on a chorus, which she loved to do, which she, which she did a beautiful performance. She's great. And, and uh, Alejandro Escovito is in that, does a narrative also of great. it as well. So, and... Uh, and, you know, I'll let the music do the talking. It's a beautiful tune. Let's take a listen. sounded the salute of honor and as the last note faded away our commander-in-chief appeared at the threshold of the gate the soldiers who at first had presented arms then fired their rifles at point-blank range and our unforgettable general Zapata fell never to rise again
So you don't play locally uh, very often. Uh, occasional no, gig from time to time. Uh, yeah, I'll you know I'll play uh, I'll play with Louie if there's any local things to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll, it's, it's basically with Louis Professor Louie and the Chromatics. Mostly, you know, I'll do something with Chip Taylor every so often. What about Don McLean? Do you still work? No, with I haven't worked with Don McLean since like ninety, early nineties. I, you know, I did my time with that. That was, you know, about ten years or so. Chip wants me. I'll do European. I'm, I'm base. I basically don't encourage it anymore because I've been, I've been there, done that, and, and it's Van. I'm in touch with Van. I mean, that's always available if I wanted it, but that would entail my moving. To Belfast, yeah, you know, and any kind of makes overtures every once in a while, but uh, you know, I'm I'm happy. Uh, I'm doing a lot of music licensing and whatever gigs I can get. You know, I'm doing with Louis right now keeps me busy. You know, I'm I'm good with that. Right now. Van has a great album, uh, "Keep Me Singing," that you're on. Yeah, one of his uh, maybe I'm maybe three albums back, three or four albums back. 1999, I believe came out something like that um, no, no I think it's a little bit later than that oh I'm thinking of this the uh, song from the movie oh yeah actually right. that was 99 yeah this was a little bit more recent right right that album has a, a great song holy guardian angel right that you're on uh, let's take a listen to that All and right. then uh, we'll comment
Love that solo that you do. You're playing a nylon string guitar, aren't you? Well, my Spanish roots coming through. <laughs> That's definitely a, a strong uh, theme in the music that you play. I can hear it. It's always hard for a, an artist to actually hear themselves, like it is in psychology for people to see themselves clearly, I guess. It might be up to other people to be able to yeah, analyze yeah, that, that. That's a good way of putting it. You're absolutely right. Because the first time I ever heard you play, I noticed that kind of Spanish flair in your playing. Right. And, and this solo that you did with Van, it's almost like a flamenco style. Yeah. Well, at that point, around 2000, I forget when it was, 2009, 2010, which is when that was really recorded. And it was released a few years later. He had me playing lots of acoustic. So on stage, I went from electric. It made me play acoustic most, a lot of things. He gets, he gets a bug up his ass, and he wants, uh, and he'll go in a certain direction and stay that way. I don't know if he's doing that anymore. He might be. He's got a guy named Jay Berliner who played on Astral Weeks. The guitar player, which is a nylon string player. Yeah, that's so he's right. doing a lot of stuff. Uh, Jay's doing some stuff with him at the moment. Well, you know, I promised myself I would just completely refuse to bring up Domino for just the sheer amount of time <laughs> no, that's come right. up. But I got to bring it up now. I, I bring it up for one reason. I just didn't want you to play the song. No, again. forget <laughs> it. We're not playing it. I'm playing it all the time with Louie. <laughs> you know, one of those songs. That song, everybody knows Domino. Every guitar player that I ever knew tried to play that riff in the beginning, and nobody can do it yeah, right. Weird. Nobody can capture that like you did it. Now, did Van say we need an intro? Or yeah. Is, is that something that just came off the top of your head? I mean, how- no, there was two licks. He wanted an intro, guitar intro, and uh, I gave him one. He said, nah, nah, that ain't it. So I tried another thing, and, and that was the lick, you know, the Domino lick. I mean, you hear it everywhere. You yeah. hear that. You hear that song everywhere. Yeah. That's, so there's an alternate lick, too. That you know, there's just two licks and that. What was the alternate one like? I can't. I can't even begin to sing it. I actually did it on a Chip Taylor tune re- album. Really, you used yeah. that? Yeah. He the asked alternate me to, lick. He asked me to. He said, "What's that alternate lick that you did with Van?" I said, "Why?" He said, "So I'm going to write a song about you and Van." and he did he wrote a song about you and Van Morrison yeah what's it called the song was about when I was with Chip in England doing a tour in England and Van somehow always found out when I was in England you know because I guess he saw keep tabs on me keeping tabs on you (laughs) (laughs) and he called while I was somehow he got my number he called me while I was traveling, and he called me up to find out if I was available. And, you know, so we worked it out, and, and Chip sort of got a kick out of it. Didn't like it, and liked it at the same time. <laughs> but, so he decided to write a song about it, and he asked me, to, you know, what's that lick that you played for Domino, the throwaway lick, and that's the one I used. That's hysterical. i got to hear that. Yeah. i got to find but, that. Uh, it's called The Van Song. The Van Song. <laughs> that's I think we actually recorded it here. Really? Yeah. At the clubhouse. Yeah. You know, speaking of the clubhouse, I've got to say something a little scary now. Um, when I first met you, it was in 1989. That was 30 years oh, ago. Man. It went by in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Uh, what we can expect for the next 30 years is going to go by well, like that, I guess. I, I don't know. Well, I don't know if I've got 30 years left to expect. Ah, you'll be think? around. You'll still be playing the domino lick. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm afraid so. <laughs> you can't escape it entirely. But that's when I first met you. I had hired you to play on a song... Then a couple of years later, Gary Burke had produced something of mine. He had suggested having you on uh, on the project. Great suggestion. There was this one song called One of Life's Best Kept Secrets. I opted to sit out on guitar entirely in favor of having you play because yeah. you had that beautiful, it's my dream guitar, is the, the Martin D45. I, I think that's what it was that you played on there, a D45. Was it my Martin? Yeah. Well, yeah, it was your Martin. It was probably, it probably was a D35. D35. Yeah. Oh, it's just, yeah. I mean, it sounds it's like glass or something. Yeah. It's just got an amazing sound to right. it. You played the solo. Well, for one thing, you played the rhythm part, you played licks all in between, and you played the solo. Paul Antonell said, 
I'll probably get this quote wrong. He said, I, I think that's one of John's very best solos he ever played. Now, that's what I heard. The reality behind that was, that's the best solo you ever had on any of your songs, Rick. You know, the, it's, it's pro- I, I have selective hearing. I'm, I may have heard it differently. I don't know. But this is going to seem like shameless Rick Z promotion, but it's not because the sound of this song is to a large degree the sound of John Platania and I'd like to play that song right now a little great idea a little blast from the past I'd like to hear it myself let's check it out Every time I hear it, it, it gives me chills. I remember you did two takes. I'm going to send the alternate uh, take to Chip Taylor, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just in case he wants to write a song about our, our, our friendship, yeah. our collaboration. Well, you should meet Chip. You love him. He's a good guy, man. Uh, he seems to have a great sense of humor just from listening to his music. Oh, a great sense of humor. The uh, whole family does. John's got a uh, his brother's got a, you know incredible sense of humor. Yeah, John Voigt yeah. is his brother. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people are surprised when they hear that. I just that. watched him last night on Anaconda. <laughs> oh, um, that's right. You know, John wrote a lot of those lines. Really? He insisted on writing a lot of the lines. I mean, it's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. I can't watch it because of the state. I mean, I sat through it, but it was tough. But he, half those lines are his. Oh, yeah. That's great. And, and I just want to say, I, I'm not sure how realistic the movie is as... As and the snake took three bullets and he was on fire at one point. He had to scream too, and, and, and the snake did scream. I don't even. Rusty's a reptile expert here. Do they have vocal cords, snakes? No. no, they don't. All right, well there it goes. Anyway, I don't mean to embarrass you, John, but I, I will say that you know you, Gary Burke, Paul Antonell, all mentors of mine. Because as a 21, 22 year old kid, when we first played together, 
I was even younger than that the first time. I think I was 20 when we first played together. And it was really imp important that uh, a guy like me who didn't, didn't have a sense of direction, really. I wrote these songs, but I, I didn't, really, didn't really know what I was doing. To watch these older guys with a lot of experience, very professional, had a profound effect on me. I mean, I would watch everything that you guys did and try to glean everything I could. And I think I learned a lot about what it means to be a professional musician, to have a little bit of integrity and a work ethic. And, and that was from watching you guys, and, and that meant the world to me. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for that. You know, it's great to know that. And, and uh, we're a family. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's one great thing about working in the clubhouses. Paul and I go way, way back. I know. Gary as well. I mean, I go back even, you know, maybe eight, ten years before Gary and Gary and I got together. So Paul and I. Wow. I met Paul, I think, and uh, started working with him in 86, something yeah. like that, 86, yeah, 87. I met him when he was at Rock City. I mean, I, wow. the studio in Termintown didn't even exist. Yeah. yeah. I remember that Rock City one because I, I grew up in Red Hook. I used yeah. to walk past, it was behind the phone company, I, I used to walk past that studio and think, I wish I could go in there and see what it's like. <laughs> well, you know, just hungry for any, any tidbit I could find. Well, like any uh, fun or great interview, a time has just leaked out of the studio and well, we're, we're out of great. time already. I'm, I was, was happy to hear that you called to see your call on my cell in the UK. I just had to call you back. I was so, so glad that you reached out to me. Uh, it was great, John. It was great to hear your voice. It's great to see you now. I appreciate oh, you. you. Same here. Appreciate you taking I the appreciate time. Appreciate you having me do this. Let's do it again sometime. Uh, hey, absolutely. Uh, better idea. Let's work together sometime. Well, you name it, man. You know, we'll do it. We'll work it out. Thanks. We'll get the team. We'll get the <laughs> team. I heard a little bit of the team, by the way. Uh, Shabum. Uh, played a, a, just a little tidbit of uh, of the music that you guys have been recording yeah. here. Just wanted me to hear the sound. And yeah, it's, it's, it's Shabam's a, a monster uh, engineer. Shabam is great. Yes, a house engineer now at the clubhouse. And uh, you know, this has been a lot of fun. Again, the t you know, the family, Paul, Gary, and Graham, and Joel. Graham, maybe Joel Diamond. All, all the same guys yeah. that were on the, yeah. the, the, the Gary. So, I mean, truly a family. We're talking a span of 30 years now. You yeah. Know, now that you brought up that figure. <laughs> that scary figure. That very scary yeah. number, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you, John. Right. You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. Produced and engineered every week by Rusty Johnson. And special thanks to Paul Antonell and Clubhouse Studio for hosting us today. Click subscribe and we'll send you all kinds of information about the podcasts. Come on back next week. Sitting in a chair next to me will be another talented Hudson Valley musician. And we'll see you then. Music